The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to betweenthelines.pro. The Coach's Roundtable is also brought to you by Sequencer. Sequencer is a new product that uses simulation modeling to create a data-driven solution for lineup creation. Input your player stats, simulate thousands of different lineups with a couple clicks, and get feedback on which is most effective at scoring runs. Visit Sequencer for a free trial. That's S-E-Q-N-Z-R dot com. And feel free to shoot a note to at Sequencer on Twitter with any questions. They're also partnering with Driveline Baseball to add to their world-class product offering. What's up, everybody? and Welcome to another episode of the Coach's Roundtable Podcast. This episode, I've brought on three special guests. I'm going to break down all things hitting for you. Um, if you didn't notice, I've got a new mic. It sounds a lot better. It sounds a lot more efficient. Um, I'm glad that you guys are, have been a part of this journey with me as I went literally from my basement to now an office in my bedroom, which has been absolutely fascinating that my wife has allowed it. Um, but enough about me. Let's get to know you guys. We'll start first with you, Coach Hellman. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to now. Hey, everybody. Uh, Joel, thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Justin Hellman. I'm an instructional assistant for the Wentzville School District um, in Wentzville, Missouri. I coach baseball and softball for Liberty High School in that district, um, kind of lead the the way for our hitters in, in both baseball and softball programs. Um, what I'm up to now uh, with the whole quarantine, um, hanging out a lot with a wife, um, my five-month-old son, um, and I recently just went back to the job I worked before I got into education and coaching, which is a roofer. So my, uh, my body is not too excited about what I've been been going with here lately but glad to be on thanks for having me awesome glad to have you on coach Hellman. and what about you coach buchanan tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to now yeah i'm really uh, grateful to be here um talk to you guys today but uh you know i'm a hitting coach out of taft college um, i'm also an adjunct professor there i teach health classes um, i'm a baseball and softball instructor out of dbat bakersfield and then I'm also the head coach of the Colorado Cyclones of the MHCBL based out of Denver, Colorado. So during the summers, I head back home to Colorado. I've been out to Cal in California for about seven, seven and a half years now. And uh, with the quarantine and all that stuff, I'm just doing virtual lessons and recruiting as much as I possibly can uh, for the upcoming season. So just trying to stay positive and hopefully summer ball is still a thing and we get to get back on the field at some point here. But other than that, a little Call of Duty as well, and that's about it, man. Awesome. Glad to have you on as well, Coach Buchanan. And last but not least, Chaz Pippett with Baseball Rebellion. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to now. Yeah, hey, guys. Um, so I've been a private instructor for almost 13 years. Uh, the home base is Durham, North Carolina. Uh, the executive order for a shutdown just got extended here till may 8th so that was i found out about that about seven minutes ago which wasn't the best but we want to keep everybody healthy and safe um usually we do about 250 lessons a week out of my facility uh but right now we are shut down so that is uh extremely expensive we've got 
nine people on full-time payroll. So um, hoping that everything comes through with loans and stuff and just trying to stay as positive as possible with FaceTime lessons and Zooms and podcasts and things like that. And then we're shipping out our products. So um, that's what we're doing now. A lot of home time uh, with my two little boys, six-year-old and a three-year-old and my wife, um, you know, but working 70 hours a week uh, down to like 15 is is quite the change. So dealing with that. And I'm also glad to have you on, Coach Pippett. If you guys don't know who he is, check him out at Baseball Rebellion. He's got some great stuff there, great uh, stuff through lessons, great equipment that you guys can buy. And as he said, he's a small business. Make sure to help him out as baseball coaches. we got to stick together in this fraternity. All right, now let's move into the baseball questions. As I said, this is going to be a hitting podcast, talking to all things hitting. And so I'll start with you first, Coach Buchanan, with this question. What do you think are some of the most important aspects of the swing? And then how do you teach it? Well, you know, especially at the junior college level, you know, you're getting guys that um, haven't had instruction necessarily. You're lucky if there's few that have had lessons before. And so, you know, in my opinion, during the fall, we really have to start at the basics. And for us, um, you know, what's important to me is we're, we're really into our rear leg. Okay, we're not a bunch of, we're not really a two-foot hitting team. Um, we swing our foot down. But uh, our balance and learning how to coil and to hold our coil for as long as we can are some of the main things that we get into. Um, we do use blast, rap soto, all of that stuff later on in the fall once our guys kind of get swings cleaned up and are able to do things that, that uh, we, we, you know, we, we stand behind so we can get accurate readings on them. But uh, for us, you won't find too many of our hitters with negative attack angles. Um, you know, we do a lot of different things in terms of, you know, our launch angles, uh, what's efficient for our guys. So, you know, we'll take their exit velocities and determine where, you know, their best launch angles uh, should be, where they should be working at, things like that that are all individual for people. So for me, the fall and working with guys right away can be, can be overwhelming because I don't like to cookie cut things. And so it really takes some time for me to, to decide, okay, what's best for you right now? What drills do we need to get you on? What kind of workouts do we need to be on? What kind of hitter are you? What kind of hitter do we need you to be? So um, for me right away, it's just a bunch of evaluating. And then, uh, you know, we just go piece by piece, you know, cleaning up the swing and getting it to where we want. So, you know, we're really into quickness. Uh, I love a lot of the things that Chaz talks about. Um, but, you know, we're here to hit home runs. And, you know, out of the 18 and 19 season, you know, we've hit more home runs than any JUCO in the state of California. So us getting the ball in the air, pull side is big. But, uh, you know, right away, like I said, it's overwhelming because you have 40 guys you gotta, you gotta get working with and you just need more time. So that's where I'm at. And what about you, Chaz? What do you think are some of the most important aspects of the swing and how do you teach it as an instructor? Well, I think one of the main things that a lot of players at every level, they're little kids who are coming in for lessons or juco guys pro guys high school kids doesn't really matter softball players is because of kind of the video game sedentary culture of today a lot of kids don't really know how to turn well and you know if you've seen baseball rebellion or my rebels rack a lot of what we talk about is resisting rotation with the upper body but while the pelvis starts to turn but really being able to turn fast and increasing that rotational skill within our hitters so if we get a hitter that comes in say he's 12 years old or she's 12 years old and they hit the ball 60 miles an hour and they hit it 170 feet. Um, when we evaluate them on the hit tracks with dime kinetics, we can do K vest. I mean, you name it, we got it. Um, Rapsodo for the pitchers, you know, 
we go through the initial movement progression where we take them through the rack progression, which people may or may not be familiar with. And then from there, we retest them. So we don't change anything about their stance, their swing, how they hold the bat, their leg kick, nothing. But very often after that rotational skill training, uh, when they come back the next week and they've done 10 minutes a day, I mean, they're usually up six miles an hour, as much as 50, 60 feet. I mean, their parents are stunned and the buy-in is just immediate. So in, a, in the private sector, you have to show results very quickly and you have to be very accountable for the relationships you have with the players. Because you know, I'm not recruiting these players to walk in the door like college coaches would be. Whoever walks in the door walks in the door, whether that's Manny Ramirez or Johnny from up the street who's never played before. So we want to make sure that we can give players at all levels uh, a thorough evaluation about where they are and where they stand. And again, we use hit tracks to do that, diamond connects to do that, uh, K-Vest if they're an older player. Um, and then we take them through the rack progression and then we retest them. And we show the difference and we prove they're improving. And that, that immediately engenders buy-in because the parents are paying for results. They're not paying for you to tell kids, you know, hang out with their kids and tell them stories and tell jokes. Some are, but most of our clients, they're here for a reason. And so we want to make sure that they can get better and we want to give them an actionable plan to where they can practice in between sessions, which are usually once a week, um, so that we can see continued progress going forward. So the main thing I see is just a, a sedentary general lifestyle for kids now like a lot of schools don't have pe anymore or it's only a couple times a week and so these kids they have these video game shoulders their postures are rolled in and they just don't do a good job of having their posterior chain in included which is anything in the in the back of their body so their upper back lower back hamstrings glutes and so they don't do a good job of loading those and using those in their rotation and they don't do a good job of setting up to rotate they just try to touch the ball so those are the things that i see as the main problems um, and I'm sure these coaches on the, on the pod with me see it too when they get their high school and college athletes. I mean, you, just, you get a lot of kids that think they that hit well, um, but they don't hit for any juice. They don't hit for any power. So you really got to show them how to maximize their body's ability. Good stuff, Coach Pippett. And what about you, Coach, Hel Coach Hellman? What do you think are the most important aspects of the swing, and then how do you teach it? Uh, you know, just like uh, Coach Buchanan and Coach Pivot said, um, initially, um, we're just trying to evaluate what a hitter has presently and how we move forward with that. To answer your question more directly, um, with when it comes to aspects of the swing, um, when I get my, and it might be different, it, it definitely is different at the high school level because we're, we're trying to build great hitters with a very, very short amount of time. Um, so with that, I'm trying to get hitters to first establish the correct weight distribution within their preloaded stance. I don't care what you do, um, pre-pitch. I don't care what you do, um, you know, as the, as the pitcher starts his delivery. What I'm looking for is, is for you to get into the proper power position as the pitch is coming so that you can explode from that point. Um, so step one, I'm, I'm trying to see where your load is. Are you too much out on your front foot? Are you at least breaking that 50 to 60% weight distribution towards your back half? Um, and then from there, it, it's more, you know, 
quick explosive speed. I want to see a hitter get from point A to point B as quick as possible. Point A being the load, point B being contact. Um, I don't like a lot of accentuated movement. Um, I, I firmly believe that bat speed um, is the quickest way to drive the baseball and to, and to increase those power numbers. Um, the way I, I teach that is I, since I'm dealing with 14-year-olds to 18-year-olds um, over three months, we have to establish what they're comfortable with, with also what they can really improve on in that amount of time before we send them on to instructors and their summer coaches over the summer for their recruiting seasons. Um, my big thing is, is once you establish your needs as a hitter, um, whether it's, it's that weight distribution, it's that hand speed, it's that uh, attack angle, it's the launch from contact. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of drills that involve keeping your weight back, identifying off-speed pitches, um, learning to drive your hands through the zone at three different levels within the strike zone, whether that be outside, inside, or, or dead center. Um, you're trying to teach kids driving the ball middle the other way as a habit. So that way, whenever you get that middle in, that high middle in fastball that you're geared up for because you've loaded correctly, because your weight's in the proper position, you can uncork on that thing and send it 400 feet into left center. Um, I, I think I'm a firm believer in with high school students working the basics first. Um, I've got to get some habits into your head um, and you've got to make some things second nature. And that starts with, you know, proper loading and good hand speed, middle the other way approach. And then as you get bigger, faster, stronger, you get a much better baseball IQ. We can start, you know, as I like to say, let the big dog eat. Um, that's actually my last BP round um, whenever I'm throwing pregame BP. And, you know, that's whenever you let all the pieces come together and you just you let it fly. Um, I just think that you, you kind of have to get those building blocks nailed down first before, you know, you start letting the big dog eat, as I said. All right, good stuff, guys. My next question is more of a which one do you think more of? So I was doing some research the other day, and I read an article about Mike Trout in high school. His high school baseball team had a home run derby, and they wouldn't let him participate unless he would hit from the left-hand side of the plate because they knew that he would crush them hitting from the right side of the plate. Well, believe it or not, Mike Trout still wins his high school home run derby hitting from the opposite side of the plate, left-handed. So here's my question for you. How much of a hitter's success is really based on their swing or just because they're just a really good athlete. And I'll ask that to you first, Chaz. Obviously, being a good athlete helps, but there are plenty of great athletes who are terrible hitters. Um, right now, we're all in quarantine, right? I would imagine most people were super excited about the Michael Jordan documentary that's coming out, right? Well, he, he tried baseball, and I don't know if you guys know, he's a pretty good athlete, right? I mean, I'm 37. I'll be 38 in June. So I remember a lot of Michael Jordan. And while I'm firmly in LeBron camp, that's neither here nor there uh, as the greatest player ever. He's like one of the best, you know, I don't know, 10 athletes of my lifetime, probably, probably higher. And he was a horrific baseball player. Look at Tim Tebow. Guy can't hit his weight half the time. So, you know, you can be a great athlete and a bad hitter. A lot of hitting has to do with, with discipline and vision and calmness. Whereas 
football and basketball is much more aggressive in nature. If you make a mistake and somebody dunks on you, you get to attack them immediately on the next time down. Whereas in baseball, you know, if that's the last out, you might not play that team again ever, or it might be months before you play them again. So, you know, I just think that there's obviously X factors within the swing and within the the makeup of a baseball player, whether it's attitude or toughness, discipline. And when I say discipline, I mean discipline and willingness to not let the pitcher break them and make them take a bad swing. I mean, why do pitchers throw off-speed pitches to make your A swing become your C swing, to lower your ceiling? So I just think there's so much more to hitting than the actual swing, which if you've been on hitting Twitter lately, we've got guys going after uh, hit people like me quite quite frequently for only teaching the swing. And I think that's a pretty common misconception. I mean, good instructors, regardless of their playing career, um, understand approach. They, they seek out guidance from the people who've played at the highest level and hit well at the highest level. And they make sure that, that they aren't just trying to cookie cut people and make them look a certain way when they swing. It's about getting the job done. Nobody cares about your effort. They only care about your execution. And you can't execute unless you have a good, solid, fundamental approach. What do you think, Coach Hellman? What do you think is more prone to the success of a hitter, their athleticism or just their swing? Um, I, I obviously the the basic answer. Is, I think it's a combination of the two. If I had to pick one thing um, over the other, and it wouldn't be either one of those two, it'd probably be his preparation. Um, but for the sake of for the sake of argument, um, I think that the swing and the preparation that goes into the swing is what prepares a hitter. Obviously there's, you know, plenty of hitters out there who wish that they had, you know, the build of John Carlos Stanton. I mean, imagine what Tony Gwynn, one of the greatest hitters of all time. There's no question about it. That guy knows how to swing a bat. Imagine if he was built like John Carlos Stanton, what his numbers would be like. I think there's certain people that are, that are taking one or the other and creating, you know, their best with it that they can. Um, you can be an absolute freak show physically and hit 235 in the big leagues. And, um, you know, today's game is, is more power centered and, you know, 235 and 45 home runs. Nobody's really going to say much about that. That's neither here nor there either. But um, I think that it's about finding, you know, what the, the hitter needs or what their strengths are. Um, you know, like I said, you can you can be an absolute physical specimen, and you know get the long ball out of the way and and have have all of that power, or you can be the perfect combination of both, Albert Pujols, or you can be you know a guy that just gets on base constantly because of his fantastic swing fundamental. Um, finding the middle ground with both, I think, is where the greatest success lies. Obviously, um, from the coaching perspective. I'm probably more trying to work on the swing itself and then allowing our time in the weight room and in the off season to just make that swing even better with, with physical backing. Um, like, you know, don't have too much time to sit and focus on, on that physical strength in a high school setting. Um, but what we do have time to do is to prepare your swing for the off season and then allow you to also get stronger and make that swing even better when you come back the next year. What about you, Coach Buchanan? What do you think? You know, I, I looked at the question a little bit differently. Um, 
this hits home for me because at, at coaching out in, um, at Taft College, we don't live in a big recruiting area. And so we don't necessarily get a bunch of athletes in our school that have had lessons since they were 12 years old. They already know how to swing the bat the right way, can turn the barrel. They've had great coaching their whole life. We get a lot of raw, raw players. So something that, you know, that I'm big into is finding the best athletes and then doing my best to get them ready. And so, you know, for us, when we necessarily can't find the greatest players that already have their swing down, we're looking for guys that can run well. Okay, how much does this dude deadlift? Did he play football? Was he a wrestler? Things like that where, where I feel like if he's, you know, an average player, but he's a strong athlete, um, you know, in six months, our hopes is to get him to the point where he's, where he's on the field and being productive. Because, you know, as all of us know, like our goal is 95 in the gaps. And, you know, at junior college, that's hard to find on a consistent basis. And if we can get more guys there, um, you know, that's what it takes to win championships. And it's tough, you know, to win a conference championship with a bunch of dudes that only hit 85 to the gaps. So to me, I think it's important. I think, you know, it doesn't mean the best players are the best athletes by any means. But, um, you know, where I'm from and what I do with my job, Man, I'm all after the athletes, and I'll kind of try to trust what I know and, and kind of put to test how good of a coach I am to see if we can actually find something inside of there that they didn't know that they had. And so I think, you know, they both go hand in hand. Um, you know, the best players in the MLB, they're all great athletes. Um, but, you know, at the 18, 19-year-old age, you know, I'm going to look for a guy that's more of an athlete than just someone that has the, you know, the technical standpoint down. Fascinating. I love seeing both sides of the argument. Now we're going to move into a different question about you can only pick one. If you could only use one way to work with your hitters, which would you use? The T or using a machine or throwing live? And I'll ask that to you first, Coach Hellman. Oh, man. Uh, well, I, I, I think out of the three, I'm probably cutting out. Oh, man, I don't know. That's pretty tough. <laughs> Uh, I, I, fun, I firmly believe in, in the T work to, you know, find out who you are as a hitter and to understand um, point of contact. But, you know, gun to my head, I think it's really hard to pick against live pitching. Um, I think all of us as coaches have not so much of a struggle, but it is a challenge as a coach going through your preseason um, and midseason practice um, and manage to get live pitching out to the hitters. Um, you, know, you can't just burn up your entire rotation and bullpen every day of the week so that way you can get you know your hitters some more ABs. I just think you know out of the three there's probably no I can't imagine anything better than um, getting more reps live pitching. That being said, um, in times like we're in right now with quarantine um, and, and facilities being closed and, and kids not getting to have uh, the, the practice regimen they're used to, I love the machine in a means for maintaining timing. I think timing is one of the things that we're probably going to struggle with on this back end when we come out of this and we have our next season. Um, kids trying to reestablish that, that timing from the pitch and the machine is great for that. Um, the T has stood the test of time and is, is one of the greatest tools, I, I, I believe, for hitters. But, man, it, I, I, it's really hard to uh, for me to go against live pitching as being some of the best reps you can possibly get. And what do you think, Coach Buchanan? Which one would you choose? 
Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with the T for sure on this, um, especially if you're building someone up from the ground. I feel like I feel like you know if I can get the kid, if I can teach the kid how to how to gain ground, you know how to how to load their scap with space, how to coil into their rear hip, how to have balance, you know how to to not cut themselves off, to turn their shoulders efficient efficiently. I feel like if you set them up with all those tools, their athleticism is eventually going to take over. Uh, in terms of you know the pitching machine or live so you know and in my opinion too um, trying to work with a hitter from ground zero like with a pitching machine like I don't know like working with dudes and pitching machines especially competitive players it can get frustrating at times uh, they can take steps backwards they can just go into compete mode especially if the velocity is too high or it's not a good machine so you know where I'm at I don't have the best facilities so I don't get you know, picture perfect things. So for me, I've found that I can get a lot more done with a T within two weeks and then just have them go and compete and get used to the things they learned on the T as opposed to me starting them out with the machine right away and really, you know, really developing a bunch of, you know, stiff two-legged hitters that are just competing and trying to not get out, honestly. So I'm a T guy all day. If we can set them up with what they, what they need to, you know, to be successful, we'll do that and we'll just let them compete after that. What about you, Chaz? What do you think? Well, full disclosure, I make a tee. So, um, obviously, I like the launch angle tee quite a bit. Um, but I would go with, I would go with um, probably live arm um, batting practice. You know, I didn't read that as, like, pitcher pitching and trying to get him out. I, would just, I was reading that as, you know, clean, firm, age-appropriate batting practice. And... Um, you know, the machine can simulate spins and recreate movement that obviously um, only someone with a bionic arm could do for eight hours a day. And I don't have one of those. So we use a machine daily. You know, but we also use BP. We also use front toss. We also use a T, right? So if I had to you'd choose one, I'd choose batting practice. Um, because my kids, regardless of age, once they get past a certain point, they do tend to have a certain amount of skill and barrel awareness uh, because they're doing their rotational work at home. And they're obviously very committed to getting better at baseball or softball. They wouldn't be coming, you know, to see me. So um, in the private sector, I would say BP. But as you get uh, older kids who are, you know, maybe committed to bigger time schools or getting ready for the draft, um, obviously they need to see more velocity. And if you have very, very young kids who are extremely novice, they need the T. So if I had to pick one, I'd say uh, I have to keep batting practice. But from an age appropriate standpoint and a skill appropriate standpoint, all three have value for different, for different uh, readiness levels, which is, you know, kind of obvious. Good stuff. I always enjoy asking that question. I've asked it to numerous people on the podcast and I always get different ideas and different reasons and different answers. And now I'll ask this next question. I'll ask this to you first, Chaz. And I know that you may not coach teams right now, but I also know that you played at a high level of baseball. And so that means you have a pretty high level baseball IQ. What was or what would you teach as an O2 approach to your hitters? My honest and best answer to that is don't get O2, like hit a fair ball before that. Um, main thing I see with a lot of kids that I work with, especially early on in their training, is they're too passive. You know, they think these umpires are robots and they're only calling strikes if the, if the white of the ball hits the black of the plate. And, and otherwise, if it's a quarter of an inch off, it's a ball. You know, in Little League, it's ankles to elbows, white line to white line, and those are all strikes. So I just think it's important that you teach aggression um, early in the count. 
But if you have two strikes, a lot of people think you should expand the zone. I think you should shrink the zone. Uh, I think you should be wary that, especially early on in an 0-2 count, like third pitch, fourth pitch, those, usually most pitchers are not going after you. They're trying to get you to chase their pitch. They usually waste a fastball up or they spike a slider or a curveball or, or something. You know, I'm not telling you not to be ready, but you need to make sure that you're swinging at a pitch that you can do something with as opposed to getting yourself out swinging at a pitch that, that goes 56 feet or would have gone over your head. So I would say be uh, shrink the zone, but be more aggressive early in count and avoid 0-2 counts pretty much at all costs. The first pitch of every at bat is supposed to be a strike. Every pitcher is trying to get ahead. You got to know that and you got to attack that early in the count. And if you're getting to 0-2 uh, with two takes, you're probably not getting another at bat if you're playing for me. And what about you, Coach Buchanan? What do you use as your O2 approach? Well, this is something that I've had to really put a lot of thought into because with the more, um, you know, our, our, our program so extra base hit oriented that we tend to strike out a ton. So for me over the past few years is that I've been trying to develop an O2 approach for the guys that can really help them out. And, you know, one thing we, we're always going to talk about is, is open bags or closed bags, okay? And open bags, you know, we're going we're gonna to tend to see a bunch more breaking stuff or things outside of the zone. You know, the closed bag situations, we might get that 1-1 fastball, that 2-2 fastball that we really want. But, you know, for us, you know, in Cali Juco, you're not going to see a bunch of guys that throw 95. You're going to see typically 84, 87, 89, anywhere from there. You are going to get some 90 arms, but not on a consistent basis. So we really like to look from outside to inside, and we like to bypass the curveball. I mean, bypass the fastball. Okay, and when we when we think about bypassing the fastball, it opens up our mind to quit hunting pitches so much. You know, I tell our guys to hunt pitches early. You can guess, just be aware of what's going on. But the second it gets to 0-2 right now, we need to bypass the fastball. We need to work from outside to in until we find a pattern. And with Cali Juco, it's usually a three-game series. And, you know, you have grown coaches, grown men calling pitches. So until we find a pattern for what they're doing or what the pitcher's doing, it's pretty standard for us to all keep the same 0-2 approach. But uh, it's very beneficial when guys are actually bought into it. If they're one foot in, one foot out, it's not going to work. So anytime approach happens, you know, just making sure you're communicating to your team, like, hey, this is who we are. And the sooner guys buy into this, it seemed to work out pretty well for us. And what about you, Coach Hellman? What do you teach it as? Uh, well, first off, Chaz, I love the don't get O2. That's got to be one of the better things I've heard in a long time. Um, yes, please, don't get O2. Uh, hunt fastballs early. I've been a big teacher of that first pitch is supposed to be one of the best ones you get. And at the high school level, it's often a fastball. Um, it's it's you rarely come across those kids that are just demand or commanding their curveball and their second breaking pitch for a strike first pitch all the time. Get that fastball and let it rip anytime you can. Um, but for for me, my my O2 approach is entirely and maybe maybe this is because it, it's a high school coach's approach um, and and dealing with the with the athletes we're dealing with. I'm I'm trying to create a and a situation in which the margin for error is smaller, right? So the first thing that, that we do is we choke up just a little bit. I want a little bit extra bat control here. Um, I, I love whenever a kid will, will, you know, 
not crowd the plate, but we'll but we'll get on get on the plate a little bit more. Make that zone a lot tougher for the pitcher to hit. Um, and then that entire mentality in that O2 setting is fight everything. Um, I don't. I, I love to see a kid. We actually we have on our quality at bat charts. Um, we have a, a spot for um, so many pitches in the at bat. Um, we're we're looking at adding so many fouled pitches in the at bat, and not not to reward just missing a pitch, but to to reward the idea that you're on time, that you're working with the pattern that Coach Buchanan talked about finding that pattern and you're showing me that you're finding that pattern whenever you are fighting pitches off. Um, I know that at baseball people see all the time, he's fouling them off, he's fouling them off, he's fouling them off, you know, and then two pitches later, there's a ringing double in the gap. Um, so, so we want to shorten the swing. We want to, if, if I have the kids that I think can handle it, whenever they're, whenever they're stepping up onto the plate, they're choking up on the bat, I, I like a widened stance, and I, I don't like to give kids too much to think about, especially in an O2 setting. Talk about um, a stressful spot, but you know, I I want to el- not entirely eliminate their load, but I, I'd rather it just be a simple, smooth weight transfer. I, I want that swing to be bare bones, make hard contact. If I've got a kid, I tell the kids all the time. If I've got one that. You know, he goes up there 0-2, fouls two or three pitches off, and then hits a hard line drive or a hard ground ball that's caught or, you know, fielded on a one-hop by my middle infielder and throw him out at first base. I'm not complaining, and he shouldn't be either. You know, we're, we're going up there trying to make hard contact, and if you're doing that in an 0-2 setting, after you've adapted to that 0-2 approach, you know, all, all we want to see is hard contact. I know that if you put hard contact on the field every single day and you go 0 for 5, I bet you're going 1 for 1 in the first at bat the next game. Good stuff, guys. And I'll ask this next question to you first, Coach Buchanan. So we went over the 0-2, two-strike approach. Now what's your ahead-of-the-count type 3-1 approach for your hitters? Um, it's, 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 it goes back to, you know, open bag, close bags again. Okay, what's our what's our percentages? But for our hitters, they should know um, by the time spring season comes around. What's your best location for your best swing? And and that's something that's tough to get through to guys because some players don't handle the balls up very well. Some players, you know, handle pitches down really really well. Um, it's them needing to know. Okay, what's my best swing on my best pitch? And for them to figure that out and commit to that 2-0, uh, really helps them out because it seems like when you have a bunch of aggressive hitters, when we get to 2-0, all we want to do is we just want to swing. You know, we forget that hey, we have to hit too. We're not just swingers. And uh, you know, if, if if you know that hey, I'm a high ball hitter and I'm going to envision a high ball here, a high fastball 2-0. That's what you need to go for, as opposed to swinging at a 2-0, you know, fastball down and away. But you know, if you like fastballs down, you know, go for fastballs down 2-0. Don't just go for a fastball. Um, but buying into what you do, your approach, 2-0, that's all you, man. That's, you know, there's nothing team about it except for what you want to do to help the team. So there's our 2-0. And what about you, Coach Hellman? What's your guys' approach for being ahead in the count? Um, it's pretty similar to our, our basic, you know, our general approach, and that's attack. Um, I've had a lot of hitters over these past couple of years that, that have a ton of talent, um, with the swing, with their physical structure, but they um, they struggle to get that aggression that I feel creates a great hitter. Um, if I'm looking 2-0, 2-1, if it's there, man, 
uh, let it eat. Go after it, uh, especially fastball counts. Um, we, we coach our kids to be fastball hitters um, and ready to adjust to the off speed. Um, but the way that we work is, you know, I see that fastball and I'm I'm salivating. I, I'm ready to I'm ready to crush. Um, so my boys and, and and my softball girls, if you get into those hitting counts, those three one, those two O's, and you know, heck, even a one O. Um, anytime you have that pitcher who's trying to play play keep up and and try to get back ahead in the in the count you know my hitters they know that now's the time now's the time to attack now's the time to pounce on a fastball um you know we'll like i said we'll work we'll work off speed but man if if we get in those fastball counts we're going up there and letting it rip i don't care if you miss i don't care if you if you just missed and you popped it up or you fouled it off whatever um I want to see the the mentality of attack, attack, attack in those counts, um, and and let the chips fall where they may. I, I think whenever we're we're hunting fastballs and and reacting off speed uh, is whenever we're at our best offensively. And what about you, Chaz? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we want to be as aggressive as possible. I mean, baseball and softball is one of the only sports where, on offense, you don't have the ball. So unfortunately for us, the reality is hitting is very reactionary. So as much as all three of us and, and all the other coaches who probably listen to this want to talk about being aggressive uh, when you've got the bat in your hands and attacking, the reality is we're still reacting. So what we have to do is we have to try to get, get into our minds that we're reacting with the correct intent. Like swinging like a, like a clown and as hard as you can isn't going to get the job done. You have to be able to put your A swing on a, on a strike, and we call them white pitches. So black pitches would be like on the black of the plate. Box pitches would be at the very top or the bottom of the zone. We're trying to get a white pitch and hammer it. Whether And that just means the whole ball is over the entire white of the plate and not at the knees and not at the top of the zone. So when we get a white pitch, um, we're taking our best swing and we're making sure that we're prepared for a white pitch and we're not taking white pitches. You know, again, one of the things that I see – is you know guys will keyhole themselves and they'll say okay I just want a fastball middle in and they'll take a fastball middle away and some of our our kids guys and girls can hit that ball out or hit that ball in the gap pretty easily but because they just keyhole that middle in pitch they lose that opportunity to do damage especially with closed bases like coach says I mean if you got runners runners at first and third if you got runners at second and third well I guess that's an open base but you guys know what I mean I mean you're trying to do damage you're trying to move the ball with with aggression and um you know, you have to react aggressively. You have to predict uh, pitches. I don't necessarily mean guess, but predict. You know, unless it's your first at bat or your first time seeing somebody or or you're the leadoff hitter, you should have a pretty good idea what you're going to get. You know, three, four, five guys tend to get pitched different than seven, eight, nine guys. So understand where you are in the lineup. Understand the context of your previous at bats, if there are any, and understand the situation in the arsenal of the pitcher. You know, obviously, you got a guy throwing 92, 93, they're probably going to come with their A fastball. If you got a guy throwing 80, they're probably going to try to spin it in there and, and hope, they, hope they can find a called strike or get you to make a mistake. So, again, we want to react uh, aggressively because we've, we've assessed the situation and we have eliminated certain things from possibility and that we were as prepared as possible to do damage. Awesome. Good stuff, guys. Here's my next question. I'll start with you first, Coach Buchanan. How do you work on a hitter's vision? 
Um, well, there's there's two different thing um, things that we do for it. You know, we do drill work, and there's you know there's the you know the common drill work where I'll be throwing batting practice, or you can even do with underhand flip, where hitters are just trying to distinguish between two seam fastballs and four seam fastballs. It's easy. It's just a visual trick, but it keeps guys locked onto the ball longer. You know, we'll develop off that as well with okay spin or no spin. Um, when we go spin or no spin. You know, we want to work on bypassing the fastball, so we get something out of that as well. Um, you know, bullpen and machine tracking, you know, that helps out a lot. It also helps out a lot if you have an umpire there, uh, a teammate behind you, somebody like that, calling balls or strikes, just so, you know, you're reassured when you're tracking that you know exactly where your zone is. Um, but I think one of my favorite things in terms of vision to help guys that are maybe struggling to see where their strike zone is or maybe struggling to just make contact out in front with the baseball because a lot of guys can get lost in the baseball. They can watch it for too long and it's already on as opposed to finding places out in front uh, and meeting it uh, with space. And so one thing that we like to do is we like to do live uh, bullpens on the field um, where the hitter knows what pitch is coming and what location it's going to be at. And so the pitcher will tell him, the catch will tell him what the situation is. Um, say he wants to see five sliders outside in a row. If he's struggling with what his strike zone in, it's really easy for him to clean that up and see what it feels like to either A, hit the ball that way, or B, just know what a strike looks like again or what a ball looks like again. And so in terms of vision, we don't do too much, you know, outside of the box. But, you know, I've noticed that helping having hitters know what's coming in certain uh, settings has really helped their vision out, kind of getting out of a slump and getting back on board. And what about you, Chaz? How do you guys teach vision and instruct vision for a hitter at Baseball Rebellion? Well, one of the things we do that's really unorthodox is we'll do uh, sessions in the dark. So we'll actually strap a headlight to kids and have them hit off the tee and actually track front toss with a headlight on in the dark. So if they don't turn their head to see the pitch, if they're trying to use just their eyes, if they're not pointing their nose at the pitch or their center of their head at the pitch, then they're not going to see the ball because the ball literally will have no light on it. So I wrote an article about that a long time ago called the Head Right Headlight Drill. It's actually one of our most read articles ever. And then I actually demonstrated it in a future article um, or later article, not future, still past, but you know what I mean. And a lot of people really like that. It's a, it's kind of a silly way to train it, but it really gets the point across. So you got to turn your nose back into the zone. Uh, and that has less to do actually with vision, believe it or not, and more to do with your spinal engine mechanics and how to speed the bat up back behind you and get that early, early bat speed if necessary, especially on the outside pitch, as opposed to the softer entry of an inside pitch and later bat speed that's more out in front. So, you know, we do a lot of stuff with the with a headlight, but we also do uh, rack bat training, which again uses uh, the Rebels rack with our extension where kids, they'll hit um, squishy balls from in front of them and they can really compete with that as well so not only do they have to have great posture for that which works with the vision and how we want the kids to, and the players to turn their head back but it also gives them a, uh, the satisfaction of actually seeing the ball get hit too so understanding the strike zone understanding head posture and neck posture and neck movement i think is a really underrated part of vision and something that could be trained a lot more intelligently the other thing we can do because of the rack is we can have four hitters at once two lefties and two righties tracking the same ball at the same time. So we'll have somebody in the back of the box, somebody in the front of the box, and slightly staggered outside. So we can have four pitches, four hitters seeing one pitch at once. And a lot of high school coaches and, and college coaches, they want to, they want efficiency. 
well, there's nothing more efficient than four to one, unless you go six to one or eight to one, I guess. And Coach Hellman, I'll ask this to you next, but I also know that being at the high school level, vision isn't something that can be so easily used at the high school level because you're limited budget, so you don't ever have the resources and the time is kind of hard in terms of constraints. But yeah, I know that you also played at a high level in college baseball and played for a great coach in high school. What would be some ways that you would teach hitters to improve their vision? Well, you're right in saying that our, our resources and um, our time is limited. Um, but I, I would also say that vision is one of our more primary focuses as in a general aspect when talking about the entirety of our programs. You got to figure, you know, you have, you know, new freshmen who are coming in who are, are learning to recognize off-speed pitches consistently. And as, as you all know, that's a major part of hitting forever. You know, it's not just, I learned to hit a curveball today. It's, I learned how to, you know, adjust to off speed or adjust to, you know, high velocity fastball. So, so when I'm, I'm teaching vision, um, we have a couple drills that we, we focus on and, uh, Joel, you've seen one of them firsthand and it's probably my favorite, my favorite drill for the high school hitter learning to, um, to see off-speed pitches, uh, and it's a two-handed soft toss drill. I hold I hold both baseballs up, one in each hand, as if I'm about to toss it. I drop so the hitter loads, and I either deliver with my right hand or I pump fake the right hand and deliver with the left. It it allows the hitter to to learn to stay back, to to read that off-speed pitch and not jump too early on the fastball. Um, we also do uh, drill work with. Um, wiffle ball golf balls just because the flight of the golf ball is a little bit less predictable it's a smaller contact surface it's it's harder to hit you're trying to read the movement of the ball and and make contact in a smaller space um, we do a soft toss drill or a front toss drill in which you have a tee set up outside um, the front tosser will toss middle or in if the front tosser pump fakes, then the hitter has to stay back and read the pitch in, drive it the other way off the tee. Um, vision, vision's insanely important to us. Um, when, we, when we teach tee work, I don't want a kid just walking up to the tee and swinging at it. And I don't want to eat, not even, not even working on positional contact is enough. We teach every one of our hitters to look forward in front of the tee as if they're watching a pitch come in time the pitch with the load, see it into the position, and then drive it off the tee. Um, but probably one of our more favorite uh, things to do, baseball or softball, um, it's great and it's easy and it's very efficient and you know it's, it's nothing new. We're not reinventing the wheel here, but we have our hitters stand in on our bullpens. Um, <clears throat> and early on in the season or preseason, um, we're not having pitchers, we'll have pitchers tell the hitters what's coming um, so they can learn to identify the pitch and find their strike zone. As the season progresses, we have a coach standing behind the catcher calling balls and strikes, and also the hitters are calling out the pitch as it's coming. You know, if, if you're standing in the box, you're saying curveball low or slider out. Um, and then it's our job as coaches to not only let them know what's a ball and what's a strike, but yeah, you, you guessed that you got that pitch correct. Your pitch identification is getting better. 
Um, we have many different ways to chart that and to, and to be able to come up with percentages um, on accurate pitch guessing or pitch vision. I don't, I don't want to call it guessing because by the end of it, these kids are getting pretty good at it and they're understanding how to identify pitches early. Um, but yeah, uh, long story long, man, we, we are working vision constantly. Um, for us, that is a high focal point for our hitters. Awesome. Glad on your guys' insight. Now, here's my last question, and I'll ask this to you first, Coach Buchanan. What are some of your favorite drills to do with your hitters? Oh, man, there's a bunch, but I think we have five or six that I really like. Um, you know, I'm big on command drills, okay? We're a big coil, uh, coil to launch and then swing on command, okay? We're just trying to be as quick as we can from point A to point B. Um, I love underload bats. Um, I love... Uh, guys being able to swing fast and unlock a gear. Um, you'll find us doing that a lot in the fall for guys that are really trying to clean up their swing pattern. They can really feel themselves push. Um, you know, with the underload bats, they can feel what a nice tight turn feels like with good bat speed with the underload bats. I love that. Um, mixed bag batting practice from a distance. And so I love throwing batting practice from deep. Okay, curveballs, changeups, fastballs, anything like that. Or we can make it more game-like. If you do it from too close of a distance, you know, you put the hitters in a really uncomfortable spot and it breaks down some of their mechanics. Um, rear leg, rear hip socket work, uh, you know, there's a bunch of open stance drills that I like. Anything to work on coil. And, a, and I'll give Chaz a, a plug here, but I'm a big fan of his heel-to-heel -heel drill because we really coil around our spine quite a bit at Taft, and that can lead to a lot of guys um, cutting themselves off. And Chaz's heel-to-heel -heel drill uh, it's made a big difference in our program. Big fan of that one, buddy. So I really appreciated your insight on that. But uh, those are some main drills that we do at Taft, you know, and we just want to get as many competitive swings in as we can. We want to swing hard, swing clean, swing efficient, get in, get our work done. Um, we only have two batting cages at the college, so, you know, I'll probably be having to hit up Chaz about a Rebel Rack soon, too, to spread some things out a little bit. But uh, those are what you'll find us doing at Taft, man. And, and, you know, over time, those are our most beneficial drills once we're in season. And what about you, Coach Hellman? What's some of your favorite drills to do with your hitters? Uh, like I mentioned for the last question, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of my two-handed soft toss drill um, that we do. Um, another big one for me, and, and similar to what Coach Buchanan just mentioned, um, that mixed bag BP. Uh, alternating distances. There are certain weeks before games in which we will we'll go 80% uh, BP in which, you know, me or um, one of my other coaches or even, you know, one of our off pitchers, we're, we're juicing up the BP a little bit, trying to get guys ready for, um, you know, having their vision ready and having their contact points ready. Um, you know, when it comes down to to our hitting drills, we, we kind of catch into a rhythm um, on on what once we hit a certain point in the season, we're focused in a different area. So all of our hitting drills are kind of happening early on. Um, but yeah, I, I love my two-handed soft toss. I love a gassed-up BP, and I I love directional hitting. Um, we'll do a front toss drill in which we bring the hitter closer to the side net of the of the cage um, and we're trying to keep there we're working on keeping your hands in tight um, and driving middle driving pull depending upon where the toss is from 
Um, one that I really like to, to use to break down a hitter in the beginning of the season. Um, we get our one-handed bats out, um, and it's actually 28, 28 um, quick reps where you're going, you know, seven top hand swings with one knee down, seven bottom hands with one swing down, seven two-handed small bat swings with both knees down, and then they're popping up onto their feet, no load, weight transfer only, working on the hands, and they're using their own bats for quick repetition. Um, you get 28 swings in the matter of, I don't know, a minute and a half maybe, um, and, it, and it helps to, to hone an athlete's hands in the proper direction to drive the ball through and, um, you know, and stay middle and hit the ball with, with great contact. Um, but yeah, those have to be some of my, my more, my, my favorite drills that I carry with me everywhere. And last but not least, you, Chaz, what are some of your favorite drills to do with hitters? Well, obviously, um, I don't want to sound like a one trick pony, but what we do is we create the turn and then we stress the turn. So some guys need stress with spin. Some guys need stress with velocity. Some ladies need stress with, uh, angled angled batting practice so anything that makes the hitter um if they if we can break their turn in any way that we do it and get their posture bad or or get their rotation to slow down or get their arms to take over and push uh that's a bad thing but we want to see that in a practice setting so that we can eliminate that from their game options you know life is about options except when you're hitting you're trying to take your best swing all the time and i think a lot of times uh, when guys and girls get into a situation, especially if they're in front of their coaches and they feel like they're being evaluated for playing time, they'll do anything just to touch the softball or the baseball. We want them to try to, to crush the ball in all counts at all times, and that requires them to take their most disciplined posture swing with the best direction as often as possible. Um, you know, I love the heel-to-heel -heel drill, obviously, so Coach, thanks for the shout-out there, and uh, we can definitely hook you up with some racks for sure. But the bottom line is this, if you, if the pitcher can, if any drill can break a hitter's turn, then we need to re rework on the turn, usually away from the cage and then rear to introduce that hitter into that drill. Right. Uh, he, another coach mentioned the command drill earlier. Uh, one of the things I think is really misunderstood about command drills is a lot of the time they're using a verbal go or a clap where you don't hit with that part of your brain. Uh, auditory skills are pretty much useless in hitting. So what we want to do is we make sure we have a visual go, whether that's a laser beam that flashes on the ball or a dropping of the hand or a, a dropping of the ball or an opening of the fist, something that's visual to make the hitter find a way to ignite their swing and instantly accelerate as opposed to a go like or a gunshot like a track athlete would use. They're trying to get their auditory part of their brain to fire right into their legs and run where, or a swimmer to their auditory part of the brain to dive into the pool where a baseball player, it's a visual thing. So we, we, I've used laser pointers, flashlights, uh, all kinds of different things. Uh, but never, never a verbal go, or at least not in the last four or five years or a clap because we want to make sure that everything translates and the synapses in the brain are, are firing the way we want them to. So I hope I answered your question. That wraps it up for the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening. 
Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you would be interested in being part of an episode yourself, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Coach Crato, K-R-A-T-O. Thank you.